This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of We'll See You in Hell. This is a podcast where we discuss a new or old horror, sci-fi, fantasy, picture, or television show each week. For this week, we're discussing Darren Aronofsky's Mother. And now, without further ado, on with the show, and on! Who with the Jews? You haven't done one like that in a while. Bro, that's like that's like the class one, classic one. It was, and I kept it contained. I didn't move my face or body in any way. Uh, Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, Joe and I have been talking over here for a while, having a nice conversation, and I did not mention that this afternoon I saw the film It again. Yes. Uh, Heather, my girlfriend, had not seen it, does not like scary shit. Our good friend Laura Keitlinger, a hilarious comic, if you're in the Los Angeles area. I saw her the other night at a show and introduced myself. And Did you mention my name? I think I did. I was, I was quite drunk and yeah. uh, feel that I may have talked to her for too long. I feel oh. like I might have hit that dead zone where she's like, this guy really needs to stop talking to me now. I'm sure you were fine. I, I love Laura and she is hilarious. Uh, but she wrote me last night and I, I, I didn't, I should have known at the time, but I got a text Hey, do you want to go see It tomorrow with me and my boyfriend? I said, right. sure. Heather, you want to go? She said, sure. Then I got about 14 texts confirming and three additional emails confirming. And then today I realized she might have been a little drunk, folks. <laughs> but we were all excited to see It. We went over to the E Rustic. We had their Bloody Mary brunch. You know, eggs. You ever been over there? To the E Rustic? Well, you get breakfast and you, you get. A, you talk to me. What am I, a schmuck? I've been there with what you. Did just, but you, what did I just get off a? Uh, 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 what's the old saying? Uh, I look like I just, truck. I look like I just got off a boat. You yeah, know, turn. I think turnip truck. Well, that uh, that too. No, I mean, have you been there for the Bloody Mary brunch? No. You get breakfast and a Bloody Mary for eleven dollars. It's nice. What did what did what was your breakfast? I had uh, eggs and uh, fruit and hash browns. All right. Well, give me the good stuff, baby. Don't leave out yeah. the deets. Well, we had a great time. We go over to it. And I was saying on the way up, look, I've already seen it. If you read the book, you're not going to like it. Her boyfriend, Garrett, was like, oh, fuck. I love the book. I was right. like, okay, you might enjoy it. But I wanted to go in with new expectations, not that this is going to be the book expectations. Right. And not since we've started doing this podcast have I received more tweets, Facebooks, et cetera, of people being like, you guys are fucking idiots. But we also got a ton agreeing with it. That's true. Agreeing with our take. And On the people Facebook saying, page, thank you for being the only people saying yes. it's not great. On the Facebook page, however, there was a lot of uh, people like, these guys are crazy. The movie's great, whatever. And I really did go in in like a, a real headspace of like, I know I didn't like it the first time. So I, you know. Let me go in with an open mind. And folks, I know I said that it was not good on last week's podcast, but I was wrong. 
it's actually terrible. <laughs> it's fucking hoping. terrible. <laughs> and to go without the benefit of the of the eight nine drinks Joe and I had to just go in cold and watch this thing. I mean, it's awful. And Pennywise in particular is a fucking embarrassment. And I've had so many people be like, but wasn't he amazing in the role? No, actually, he wasn't. We might have even eventually by the end of last week's podcast said, yeah, and you know, the performances were good. Skarsgård was good. He's not good. He's terrible. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy to hear you saying this because I was thinking about seeing it again no. with literally the same approach. Okay, let me go in and see it now. Yeah. This is a regular movie. And I'm happy to hear you saying this. I was hoping this would be the misdirection that that you were yeah. you were setting it up to be to say no, it's actually worse. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 cheap jolt scares and uh, uh, it they they turned a really wonderful story into the Goonies. Not even. And uh, yeah, well, I know the Goonies is a classic. I'm not yeah. shitting on the Goonies, but I'm saying like th- those two worlds don't need to mix. I watched it with my, my girlfriend who's not do well with horror and tends to cover her eyes and ask me what's happening. So we, d- we just don't usually watch scary movies. I'm just like, watch the fucking movie. Right. It gets a little heated. But. Right. You push her around. The I shove her around. You know, right. Grapefruit in the face. <laughs> but she's watching this. Doesn't, doesn't cover her face at all. She's watching it. And then at about the two hour mark, she turns to me and she goes, this is pretty fucking boring. Yeah, and that's something that we did not really touch on last week because, I guess I I, I was drunk and having a, you know was excited to see the movie whatever, it's really boring. Yeah, and especially seeing it a second time, it's a boring fucking movie. And there's they, no there's no uh, weight to it. There's no soul. There's no substance. Nothing. So nothing. Y- y- it is just a fucking cheap scare fest. And yes. it, and it and it's trying to be the Conjuring and all these other you know and it's right. like. It's it's so it's I'm tired of everything being the same. Like everything is the same. It's, yeah. Anyway, anyway, and sorry. they should have ended after the first monster house scene where they go in there and they do all the. Ha- There's another half hour after that with no really like the scares aren't up, the drama isn't up. It never has that moment. You can tell they're going for it when the kid with the glasses goes. Uh, well, now I'm gonna kill this fucking clown. You can tell they're going for the cheer moment, but nobody's cheering. No, like it's there. There's nothing exciting about any of it there's nothing triumphant about took, any of it they took the they took the guts out of that character yeah and i believe i did say this last week yes. we we're not doing it yeah. again yeah but i you know they took the guts yes. so then when he does say that you don't have any reason to cheer yeah because they took out a pivotal fucking scene that makes that makes you realize why that kid is taking it seriously now so right. it's it's uh it's a bad movie um i'm the, glad to hear this that i'm that we weren't just being don't crazy. see it again um, within, uh, but here's within something seconds int- of Pennywise dying, that kid goes, uh, I know what I'm writing my how I spent my summer vacation paper about. Really? Oh, God. Really? Oh, God. This is uh, this is your nightmare fuel? Yeah. Fuck off. So, so uh, here's an interesting fact. As we mentioned last week, but I did not know this little piece of information. On the last episode when we, when we reviewed this film... We mentioned our confusion yeah. that not only Stephen King, but his son, renowned uh, yes. fantasy horror author Joe Hill, gave the movie accolades. Joe Hill said it was one of the five scariest films ever made, Ludicrous. up there with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Jaws. Ludicrous. Uh, so I was like, 
what, what am I missing here? Like, what, I, I'm missing something. Well, turns out they're making a lock and key movie, and the director of it is directing the lock and key. And I was like, there we go. Oh, oh, now, oh, now I get it. Now I there get it. There we go. That was a real disappointment. I was this very whole business is just me. people lying and lying and lying, lying, lying in the hopes that they do something for you in the future or lying as a favor to you doing something for them in the present or the past. Yeah, it's it's all bullshit. Um, and everyone just falls for it and says, yes, that's right. That's true. I love this. It's a, it's the sickest business in the history of America. The sick. entertainment industry. Yeah. It's sick. Sicker than the church. Well, a, it might not be sicker than some aspects of the church, but yes. I think it's it probably has the same aspects. Comparable. <laughs> According to Corey Feldman, it has the same aspect. And Elijah Wood. Apparently, there's a big ring of, of uh, high-profile pedophiles. And what, what, what would Elijah this Wood be? is not one of them. He, he's no. exposing them. Yes. Yes. Uh, what would this and podcast with be without Feldman. a discussion of pedophilia? Uh, let's do a, let's do a Pat's movie corner, uh, because Pat, I, I'll tell you, I, um, I feel terrible. I was in Vegas last night. We did emotional hangs live. Kurt Brownler and myself for the very first time. Beautiful, beautiful time at the scoops fest. Thank you guys for having us. Uh, we had, it, it was just wonderful. The crowd was electric. It was packed. Electric. It was, we had a, we had a blast. Uh, but then I decided to get unreasonably shit faced. <laughs> So at uh, 8 a.m. when I was looking at the cold, hard light of day in the bathroom well, yeah. uh, window, you know, and I was like, I haven't slept yet. I should probably go to bed. Landslide brought <laughs> it down. Yeah. So it was a rough uh, it was a rough night, but it was fun. And uh, I uh, you came over with some beers and I'm having a sort of a patch em up whiskey. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I'm two sips into this thing. I feel like I'm drinking NyQuil. Uh, it tastes terrible. Okay. And the frightening thing is, as the buzz slowly creeps back, my head immediately goes, well, I mean, we, I get, we could go out for a few beers. It's only 5 o'clock. Uh, so who knows where the night leads us when alcoholism comes into play? That's true. I'm uh, open. Anyway, uh, let's do a Pat's movie corner. What have you seen? Wait, where was where was that going? It seemed like you were building to a, a tale or something. About what? About Vegas? Yeah. No, I'm saying let's get to the goddamn oh, show because show. I feel like I'm going to fall over in my chair right oh, now. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, Pat's movie. Yeah, that's what I guess that I, that's what I was wondering is how it connected to Pat's movie corner. No, I was saying I like you're going to say I watched a movie on the plane or something like that. Well, no, I well I did watch movies okay. on the plane, but I but I would give you the honor of starting your own segment. Sure, I I have only seen one movie in the past week, to my knowledge, and it was a picture called Girls Trip, and I thought it was a funny movie. I I am probably not the target audience for Girls Trip, but I enjoyed it. Um. Would you say would you say it was a good movie or just a funny movie? Like, because it, it strikes me as, and and I'm friends with Tiffany. I'm very happy for the success yeah. she's having with this picture. Uh, but but it doesn't change the fact that to me it looks very much in the vein of like The Hangover and stuff like that. Where I go, well, I guess there's some funny parts, but like it's not. I wouldn't call it a good movie. It is an unquestionably bad movie. Okay, but to me, um, I don't think bad and good factors into comedy at all. To me, what the hell are you talking about? Um, uh, what I am talking about is is for me, if a comedy is funny, it is a good comedy. 
Okay. If you want to talk about what's a what's a good movie, okay, like Tootsie's a good movie and a good comedy. Okay, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Um, Dirty Work is a terrible movie, but a great comedy. Okay, that's I got you. Know? you. Half baked, terrible movie, exactly. great comedy. Exactly. Okay, I got you. CB4, another one yes. of my favorites. P- the dog shit movie, yes, but I love it. And Girls Trip, you know, I mean, this thing starts with narration where it's like, "Hi, I'm Regina. I'm the businesswoman." But I also like to have fun. <laughs> and then it's like, here's my friend Betty. She likes to have fun. But she also knows when it's time for business. You know, like, they, they, the narr- you don't need narration in a comedy ever, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, fair we, enough. We understand the plot. You could have just shown us these four girls. They, uh, you know, it's entertaining. And Tiffany Haddish. Haddish? Haddish. Yeah, off-air Pat called her Tiffany Haddish. I thought it was Haddish. Which was up there with Tobey Hooper. Yes. And these these you take these regular names and turn them <laughs> into these like aristocrats. I've never heard Haddish. That's not a that's not a regular name. But, but I'm saying it's a normal name and then you take yes. it you make it sound like some kind of French emperor <laughs> or something. Uh <laughs> she I, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a nomination, you know, much like Melissa McCarthy back in the day. She's she's so funny that the others look a little lazy in comparison. Well, um, yeah, it's it's look, it's I think Jada Pinkett is a great actor. She's yeah. not a comic. She's not funny. No, the the other three are, are like uh, really not keeping up with with Haddish. Because what Queen Latifah is the same way. I love Queen Latifah. I've loved her since I was 11 because yeah. I liked her music and I was a big rap kid. And I think she's a good actor. I don't think she's funny, though. No, like, I don't, not everybody no. has to do everything. It's like, you know, That's she's correct. fucking amazing in, like, stuff like Chicago and stuff like that. It's like, you know, sure. it's like, I don't want to see Harrison Ford in a comedy. I love Harrison Ford. Yeah, sure. You know, but, I, you know. It's a, it's a very likable movie. Uh, I'm glad I saw it. I'll take it over Bad Moms any day of the week. Um, well, then you're going to get a Bad Moms Christmas this year, I believe. I don't think I'm going to see a Bad Moms Christmas, but yes. It's we were make two billion dollars. We were talking recently, Joe, about how guys have the uh, most of the big tentpole movies are marketed towards guys, right? And the movies that women have marketed towards them are maybe not the best movies. No, it makes me. I feel. I honestly, I feel bad for women because I know they want yeah. more to choose from. I know they want. A They're getting selection. Pitch Perfect three. We're back pitches. They're getting Bad Moms Christmas, and they're getting Fifty Shades of Part Three. Right, like these aren't good movies. Yeah, I. You know what? I was mad they didn't title those movies with the, like a number corresponding, like Fifty Three Shades of Grey. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but anyway, the. Uh, but look, it's it's. Um, you know, it's it's w- 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 my thing is it's what sucks for so many women that really like the cinema, at least for American-made movies. Uh, you know, guys get marketed the same kind of like whatever shit too. Like, yeah. like you know, we talked about the Hangover and stuff like that. Again, not not great movies, but then like guys also get like The Irishman with De Niro and Pesci and sure. And you know, you get like, and I'm not saying that look, many women may love those movies too, but I'm saying like. There should be shit like that for 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 uh, the the ladies as well. Like I feel like they don't get a yeah. big payoff. Like where's the Emma Thompson uh, and Julia Roberts and you know you know what was good actually uh, Osage County August Osage Loved County. Loved it. That Juliette was, Lewis. Yeah, predominantly female cast and yeah. that was a great flick. 
That was a great flick. Yeah, I, I just... Um, or like, you know, Woody Allen when he did like... When he would do the off... Hannah and Her Sister is my favorite movie of all time. But his other female movie, like Interiors... Sure. It's like it, they're, they're literally the Woody Allen movies you never want to watch. He's yeah, like, this is a story right. about four sisters that are in a living room. And you're right. like, what? Well, I mean, <laughs> Hannah, Hannah and her sisters is great. and uh, Yeah, that's great. But, you know, these are movies by men. Yes. You want I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm just I, I want to be as open minded, as woke as I can be. I wish that I wish that the movies marketed towards me were better. I wish the movies marketed towards women were better. I wish everything was just better. I don't know what I'll, to tell you. Uh, now, I'll, I'll give a uh, half-court, nothing-but-net uh, swish shot sure. to a movie I saw, which was Wonder Woman. I finally watched Wonder Woman. I have not seen it yet. Uh, it's a fantastic superhero movie. Oh, okay. They walk the line. The D- Look, we're not going to go down the DC-Marvel road. Thank you. But DC is doing... It very, uh, they're 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 finding a great balance with their films. They're very much in the vein of like the Star Wars movies and stuff like that. There's charm and there's humor, but they're not joke machines. They're not comedies. Right. So, um, Wonder Woman was great. It was a, an amazing commentary on feminism, especially since it took place during World War One. Okay. Um, it uh, it was it was. You know, it was it was just a really great movie. That being said, I'm I'm losing my flavor for these movies now. Like I don't enjoy, I don't I haven't enjoyed a superhero movie in so long, and I'm starting to realize it's because I don't like superhero movies anymore. Yeah, but I you can if you like superhero movies, you will fucking love Wonder Woman. It was great. Like I'm not even that excited for Justice League, and I'm like I should be really excited for that, and I'm not. And I'm just terrified that one day I won't be excited for Star Wars anymore, and I hope that doesn't happen, but. Um, but Wonder Woman was great. Uh, I also saw uh, Going in Style. Mm, I saw it. Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Alan Arkin, going to rob a bank. Not a great film. I loved it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Again, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's a perfect go watch it with your mom kind of movie. Sure. Very charming. Everybody loves to see the old guys that don't take shit from the young guys. Right. I thought, uh, I thought, uh, um, uh, what's his face from uh, SNL was really funny in it. Uh, Keenan. Oh, Keenan. Yeah, Ke- well, Keenan's the best. Keenan was really funny. Yeah, that scene where it's like Morgan, he's looking at the footage with the cops of Morgan right. Freeman with the whole pork loin in his pants. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, had to be the brother. Had to be the brother. Yeah, there, it was real. You know, there, he was really funny. I well, and also, Payne. as you as you've told me many times, your favorite working director is Zach Braff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And my favorite working actor is Alan Arkin. Right. Sure. So you know, uh, not that I'm comparing Zach. Have you Braff speaking to Alan. of Alan Arkin? Have you watched Gross Point Blank yet? I did watch it. Did you like it? Uh, I liked it. It was a charming film, but I saw it too late. It is so 90s, it's, it's 90s. crazy. I really thought you would like it more than No, I liked it, but it is so 90s, it's crazy. It's like, he comes into town, the girl that got away is the DJ in the local radio station. Yeah. She makes him hash it out with her on air. I mean, it, it, it had Kevin Smith, like, stink lines coming off of it. You know, so it's like... But it's pretty great. But it was, it's a great and, flick. And how about a, a pre-entourage Piven bringing the heat? 
Pre Entourage Piven was great. I love the that soundtrack. He's, I love that he's jackhammering the joint. Yeah. Then he has to go show the real estate to people. Ackroyd was great. Ackroyd maybe at his best. Yeah, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Cusack as always. Joan Cusack, Grand Slam as yeah. always. Sergeant Pepper, Jack. Uh, in fact, uh, we did an episode of when I, when I was saying earlier. We we, Vegas, we went to Vegas to do Emotional Hangs Live, and our guests were the the hosts of uh, Hey Scoops podcast. And um, Matt was uh, tell, Matt was one of the guys, and he was telling us about how he was stage managed a show in uh, Vegas. Okay, and I was like, I just picture you. Tell me if it's like this. I just picture a Joan Cusack type uh-huh. <laughs> with a clipboard running around. Right. You had a pencil behind your ear back there, but that's exact. I love when she plays that kind of role. I love sure. when she plays like the person that's got to wrangle everything. Yeah. You know, and you get to see her screaming at people. And to, to me, her funniest ever is in and out. Yeah, she's great in that. Well, I'm going to give my funniest Joan Cusack to My Blue Heaven. <laughs> sure. I'll give you that. Uh, uh, my Blue Heaven did not benefit from a rewatch, a recent rewatch, as we've discussed on this show. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but I, but I did like Gross Point Blank. Uh, Good. I just saw it too late. All right. Uh, lastly, I saw. I saw one other movie. I saw those two, and I saw. Um, oh, How to Be a Latin Lover. Go on. Much funnier than I expected it to be. All right. Uh, it's very much a Ken Marino movie. He directed it, and uh-huh. it's very obviously, like, very Ken Marino-ish. Is it a, you know, like, uh, how, like, every week there'll be a movie that's, like, in the top ten that's a Latino movie? Like, a, they, where they speak Spanish most of the time? No, there's a little Spanish, but it's, it's mostly in, in English. Okay, all right. Uh, and it's... Yeah, it was funny. It was about like a guy that wants to be like, you know, it, it starts with him as like a 10 year old boy mm-hmm. and he and his sister and their mother live in the car. Right. And he's like got this magazine with this like rich guy with this trophy wife on the back cover advertising scotch or something. And he's like, I want uh, this is what I want to be when I grow up. And his sister's like, that man is, has a job. He's not just like, you know, he's yeah. not just rich. And then he goes, no. I don't want his job. I want hers. Uh-huh. So, and then it cuts them. He's a gigolo. Right. Falls in love with this like eighty-year-old lady. Sees her across the pool, and he's like, "Oh, she's perfect," you know. And he obviously marries her for the money. And then she uh, throws him out to start fucking Michael Sarah, who really hits a nice home run in this. Michael Sarah's in How to Be a Latin Lover. Michael Sarah's in about three scenes, and he uh-huh. is fucking tremendous in it. <laughs> All right. All right, he I plays, didn't know he's in it. He plays a scumbag. Yeah. Anytime Michael Sarah plays a scumbag, it's great. Right. Anytime he plays anything, it's great. Well, the he, best the best performances of scumbags are from people who have studied scumbags and been the recipient of scumbags. Yeah. Like a Michael Sarah, I'm sure. So, um, so I enjoyed the film. Uh, I thought it was very funny. Um, All right, I'll see it. And again, like uh, this whole discussion, is it a good movie? Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's not you know. But I mean, here's the other thing too. I think we're very jaded, and this is what I was having when I was watching Wonder Woman. This was when I watch all these movies. We kind of said the same thing about all of them. I enjoy them, but when you watch enough movies, 
you you can just see the twists and turns coming. You're like, right. okay, obviously this is the character that's going to redeem himself, and right. there's this is going to be when they think the guy died, but he didn't, and this is going to be the guy they actually do kill off. Right. You know, like it's it just starts to become you know a little rote, but uh, sure. So I don't know. Maybe that affects. Maybe maybe these movies are better than we think they are. I don't know. I also. Uh, it's it's about time for the return of Nathan for you. Probably the funniest show on television. Have it's a you great seen show. the show? I've seen it many times. I met Nathan once at a party. They just did. Uh, they had a special, an hour long special on Comedy Central the other night. I, I was scream laughing. <laughs> and it's just like the special. It wasn't even the premiere. It was like a, an update on previous episodes. I just uh, I love it. If you if you don't watch it, you should. That that one where he like is marketing the like fitness jacket. Yeah. And the whole thing is like we do not like the Holocaust. That's that, the whole marketing the, campaign. They, and he's they got, go like, back to that in the in the special. Yeah. I mean that is that was insanity. I was yeah. like this kid's out of his fucking mind. I can't believe like I don't know how he does this shit with a straight face. He's yeah, he's got kind of like a death wish that I really respond to. Right. Um I like it a lot. Sorry, I had to turn and pour di- another <laughs> splash. Uh Pat, Pat, Pat is two 10% alcohol beers in. I'm having a beer. Uh I'm I'm uh, yeah, I got I got a I got a light week after a month of very stressful times. I'm happy to be here with my friend Joe. Is I'm happy to see you, buddy, cuz I'll tell you, I'm I'm in a state today where I'm ready to end it. We'll be fine. And I needed to see a loved one. <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, uh let's Joe, well, well, let's get to mother. Or, or you want to do scary stuff? Scary stuff. Uh, By the way, I I can't tell you how many people. Uh, and th- this was true. I was not making a joke when Joe uh, put on Instagram the other day something about our Instagram account. I was not aware that we'll see you in hell had an Instagram. We don't account. have one. But you, I was feeding it that to Twitter, oh, to Twitter. so I put okay. the Twitter handle. I got you. Because I'm not going to do Twitter anymore. Now, what think. happened there? I haven't talked to you about this. I You're can't off get Twitter into it. It's a whole thing with the other podcast. It's I pissed off a bunch of cyclists. On the Emotional Hangs podcast? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what all did these... you say about cyclists? I told a story about opening my door and this guy on a bicycle. I didn't see him. He almost hit my door. And by almost, I mean, he, trust me when I, I'm not being, I'm not being uh, uh, shitty here. He had plenty of time to stop. Right. He it was not like he had enough time to completely circumvent my door 100 percent. Yeah. And was going slow enough to yell fuck you at me repeatedly. Okay. So it's like it wasn't like I almost hit the guy. Right. It was a guy being like super precious about the bike. And I was like, look, I went on a rant. I said, fuck you. You want to ride in the street with everybody else? Take your chances. And I know that a lot of people did not agree with that. But I ended the entire rant by saying the point is I went into my show that night, which was at UCB on Sunset. And this is where it happened. And I said to the audience, this just happened. Am I wrong? And the audience said, yeah. And I went, oh, okay, I'm wrong then. And I said, I was just mad that the guy acted so shittily about it. Right. It wasn't like, hey, dude, watch it. It was literally like like venomous fuck yous repeatedly as right. if he's not even a part of this equation yeah so anyway a lot but of now, cyclists why were you in the wrong for opening your door because apparently the dooring is a thing and bikers flip over and 
And I know that because I used to bike when I lived in uh, Manhattan. Uh-huh. Uh, but this... That movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt was about your life in Manhattan, right? Yes, yes. What was that called? Premium Rush? Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> Did you see Premium Rush? No, no. But I, I remember. I could get anywhere in this city in five minutes. Yeah, for, yeah. With yeah, Michael that. Shannon. By the way, uh, folks, that's a B-plus movie. It ain't bad at all. It ain't bad at all. I couldn't be less interested. The only way I'd be it's less interested if is he was with DJ. Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> if he was playing a DJ, then I'd be a little sure. less interested. We are your yeah. friends. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyway, some guy decided to take a portion of the discussion, transcribe it, and then put it online. Uh, I had many people start coming after me. And on what, as bikes.com? No, on Twitter. Okay. Nobody was, nobody was talking about the, what I said at the end or anything. Everybody was just focused on this one part of, of a fucking rant on a podcast that's supposed to be funny. Right. Um, so everybody started coming after me. Then I start realizing these people actually work in the industry, like the entertainment industry. Uh-huh. The the producer of one Mad Money, <laughs> the low one of point the first movies I reviewed uh, yeah. as, as a film critic. Low point in Diane Keaton's uh, career as and we've Queen discussed. Latifah. Yeah, and Ted and Hans. Katie Holmes. Yeah, the guy that pr- a producer of Mad Money was like, I will see to it you never work. Oh, my God. Like, I know everybody. And then I so I looked up his work. I was like, what does this guy do? Produced the movie Waiting. Uh, which So he's okay with a, with a runner in a film wow. about statutory rape. Yeah. That's a runner in the movie Waiting. Uh, so he's fine with that, but my bike rant was, was off base. And your bike rant was basically, why can't I open my door without fear of a biker running into it? Was that the gist? Basically. And I was just blowing off steam. And at the end of it, I, I was and like... And he's going to see to it that you never work again for this at a time where people are literally returning to Nazism. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and then, so he came after me. He blocked me eventually because I said... Let me. Ex- he told me to explain myself, and I go. Let me explain how comedy works. His mm-hmm. name is Robert O. Green. I go. Let me explain how comedy works. I don't explain myself, especially to bookers. See if you can understand this. <laughs> Fuck you, you whiny pig. <laughs> uh, then in, an- in another tweet, I said, "I hope you flip over your handlebars on your way to the entitlement meeting." <laughs> and he goes, "He goes. That's a that's a threat of violence." I go, "No, it's not a threat." It's a wish. It's a hope that you yeah. fall. Yeah. yeah, and I go, have fun. I go, keep comparing cycling in some crazy way to the struggle. Right. You white privileged twat. Yeah. And, then he, and then he blocked me. Okay. Uh, so another guy was coming after me. I found out this guy. I go to his Twitter feed. He's got a goddamn thing on the moth. I'm like, this guy's a fucking performer? Uh-huh. Another guy who's written, like, several popular cycling books started coming after me. And I was like, you know what? Once I started doing the explanation thing. Where was it posted, though? Twitter. Everything was Twitter. But where, But who was the account that all these cyclists are following? Oh, it's like a community. I didn't even know that. Okay. So they were all, like, it got traction because of this one guy and these other cyclists chimed in. I don't know if they know him. So I sent out, like, five. Because it got to a point where it was like, this is not me arguing with trolls this is me telling people that i work in an industry with in some way that i didn't say what this guy is saying i said and yeah. he's, he's leaving pieces of this out and i sent like a couple tweets to one of them explaining it and then i was like you know what 
I'm done. I've officially now been trolled on Twitter by the extreme left and the extreme right. Yeah. Everybody acted the same. Everybody threatened to try to affect my work and my right. well-being. Right. Everybody acted unreasonably. Everybody was demeaning in, in, in one way or another. And I was like, I'm fucking done. Like, I just don't react well to that. I'm not the guy that can go on Twitter and go, I'll ignore it. I can't do it. I hear so I will post to it through my Instagram. For some reason, shit doesn't get like that on Instagram. I don't really know why, but it just doesn't. And that's it. It's like you'll you know right. you'll get updates that way from me. But I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing personal interaction anymore with anybody. I just can't do it. And I and I apologize to the people that were actually sad. The two people that cared, but you know, like there were some fans that were I like, "Enjoy Joe DeRosa on Twitter." Thank you. There were fans. There were a couple of fans that were like, "Dude, that sucks, man. I think you're funny. I like your feed and whatever." Yeah. And I'm like, "So I, you know." But it's like, yeah, the fucking. Crazy people are, are just so much louder, of course, than the rational people. And I just I don't like being in that environment. It doesn't make me feel good. I hear you. So uh, so that was the. But wait, why did I tell that whole story? Because I got uh, troll. Oh, you guess why I was off Instagram. Yeah, we we're going to scary stuff. Oh, Joe, scary stuff. Uh, yes. Uh, and you said you, you said, oh, oh, the uh, uh, now. I, oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Joe Scares up another video game this week uh, for you Nintendo Switch players out there or the people on Steam. I think you can get this on your PC and I think you can get it on PS4 and stuff. Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Shovel I love, Knight. I love the name Shovel Knight. Treasure Trove. Fantastic. Fantastic game. Uh, as as true a, a, a homage to the 8-bit side-scrolling classics of Nintendo as you will ever get, it plays like it, it sounds like it, it looks like it. It's a fucking blast. It's great getting the different magics that you can use. And the Treasure Trove Edition has different versions of the quest with different characters that you defeat through the game. So you get a ton of content for like 30 bucks. Go buy it. It's download only on the Switch. I don't know if hard copies exist for the other consoles. But it is a wonderful fantasy video game uh with some i guess there's some horror elements there's a you fight monsters and shit um but anyway check it out you'll like it all right i um i don't really have anything that's fine we're uh i'm sorry 38 minutes in we haven't even talked about the movie yet so (laughs) all right well i did see darren aronofsky's mother i want to say briefly here at the beginning darren aronofsky's a one of the ultimate hit hit or miss directors. Uh, I fucking love Black Swan. One of my favorite movies of that year. Wrestler was my favorite movie of its year and it's one of my favorite films. Requiem for a Dream. I don't see myself ever watching it again, but it's certainly a technically fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, but we, we're talking about a guy who clearly has some major issues with women, I would say. Uh, you think... See, I found that you think he's got issues with women or his, do you think he his treatment of Ellen Burstyn in particular and Requiem for a Dream and and also Jennifer Connelly asked to ask dildo scene, for example, um, just tormenting these women. Black Swan but, really torments Natalie Portman. Here's my question, though. And this will apply to mother. But do you see that as. You see that as a woman issue, or you see that because I took mo- the the poor treatment of of the female character and mother as 
his his coming to woman's defense and saying this is what we do to to Mother Earth and women. You know, to some extent, but when he in that five minute scene where we're watching everyone kick the shit out of Jennifer Lawrence, I was like, this crosses over into some sort of sadomasochism. Okay, yeah, uh, fair enough. Mother, and it is his girlfriend. <laughs> Is he going out with Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh Christ, she's—I mean, something's going on. She, she's uh, David O. Russell as well. Uses her all the time, and he's, there's like a thirty-year age difference. There's a lot of—I have a lot of weird questions, <laughs> but uh, basically, I mean, a brief synopsis of Mother, if there's even a point of doing so, is uh, Jennifer Lawrence is living with Javier Bardem. He's a writer who's got writer's block. He seems impotent. Um, Javier Bardem is 30 years older than Jennifer Lawrence, never mentioned. No, that, no, they mentioned that. Okay. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, when they, oh, when, yeah, when they right. come in, she, she, she goes, she, God, she, he's so much older than you. I uh, recounted the entire plot of Mother to both my girlfriend and the, the, the writer's room that I work in, and nobody could believe that was the whole movie, but it is. Sure. Um, basically, it's they live together. Ed Harris and then eventually Michelle Pfeiffer kind of treat it like a halfway house and move in. They start treating it like it's their own, and then eventually, lots of people start treating this house like it's their own, and things get more and more surreal from there. Uh, the, I've seen it mostly compared to Rosemary's Baby and Repulsion, two amazing horror movies, both by Roman Polanski, which is obviously another issue. <laughs> But uh, to compare this movie to those two, to me, is absolute heresy. They are classics of horror, and I thought this movie was embarrassing, frankly. Okay, so I will tell you this. I went into the movie not expecting to like it, but I did read Jennifer Lawrence's explanation of the film before I went in, and it was a great help. It let me know beforehand this is not going to be a horror movie. I will say this. It's the most mismarketed movie I've ever seen. Uh, it actually makes me mad at Darren Aronofsky that they... like Because he is a guy that gets say in things. And Warner Brothers is very behind the picture. It's like, don't don't market it to people this way. Because it's not... When I, when I saw it today, I finally saw the trailer for Mother. And it was like, get ready. In this theater. In two weeks. Like Hitchcock-style marketing. Yeah. Like, in two weeks. The movie that'll fuck you up forever. Yeah. Like, it it is not that. No. So I thought her explanation was very uh, insightful. She said, look, it's about the world. It's about mankind. It's about the way we treat Mother Nature, blah, blah, blah. So knowing that little bit when I went in and then learning after the fact uh, made me look at it through a different lens. It made it make sense. I was like, okay, this isn't a movie that this is this is an absurdist play, basically. Right. uh, On film uh, about the way we the way people are, the way we act, the way we conquer things right. and steal things and and claim it to be our own and show no respect for it. And then she's Mother Nature. She's being oddly patient throughout the entire movie with these people uh-huh. decimating her house, which when you're watching it is strange, and then you realize, oh, wait, no, that's that's actually a pretty brilliant commentary. Like, that's Mother Nature. Like, Mother Nature is like, can you please stop? Until she freaks out and snaps and causes like a fucking earthquake to happen, which does happen in the movie when she freaks out. Um, It seemed to me like a 
off, 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 off Broadway play I would have seen by a girl I was dating when I was 22 years old, just moved to New York. I thought it was embarrassing and stupid. And uh, I, so the next day, you know, people were like, oh, it's supposed to be about Mother Nature. I also heard it's supposed to be about religion because he just did Noah. And I like Noah uh, way more than most people. I like Darren Aronofsky's Noah. But um, it was just not if you're if okay if it is about mother nature if it is about religion whatever fine um you have to look at it as a movie is it entertaining is it it, do i care about what happens from scene to scene and the answer to all these questions is the biggest no of all time i saw it opening night there was 30 people in the audience 10 left immediately 10 left around the midpoint and then everyone else left by the time they stomped Jennifer Lawrence for five minutes. I will say this. And ripped her clothes off and ate her baby. Uh, then everybody else left. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I wish I'd fucking left with them. But if people are going to leave two hours into a movie like this where you're still thinking, well, maybe I'll find out what's happening at the end, even though you really don't. No, uh, you do, though. I see. I don't I don't agree that you don't find it. Here's what I let me say something. All right. Uh, the. Uh, I think, look, for as much as we complain about the quality of films on this podcast and mm-hmm. people doing things by rote and whatever, I've got to take my hat off to Warner Brothers being a studio that big, getting behind a movie that feels so much like a, like, like a surrealist f- French film from 1965 or right. something like that. You know, so it's like, I am shocked that this is a studio film. I'm right. shocked. If this was a little indie well, thing, it's it would Jennifer be... Lawrence and Aronofsky right. and all them, but I mean, I for me, I was actually kind of enjoying it for the first half through my own reading of it. I, I saw it the Thursday before it opened. I was not, I hadn't read anything about it. I was looking at it as a interpretation of dating a narcissist or being married to a narcissist, who everyone tells him he's so great, etc. And then you're nothing in his eyes. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Then when everybody starts kind of moving into their house and then Kristen Wiig is an agent. Yeah. I guess in it. Yeah. Um, and all these people keep coming in. Then I was like, okay, well, this is a very niche movie about how when you're dating somebody famous or in the entertainment industry, all these people just start showing up at your house. Right. And suddenly you have to like be friends with these people that you hate. Which is how I really take the entertainment industry. I have to engage on a daily basis and be friendly with people that I hate sure. and wish harm upon. And then I was kind of into it at that point. But I thought, this isn't a movie for America. This is a movie for like a very small portion of the entertainment it's, industry. It's not. Yeah. It's look. It's not a. It's, it's. But I don't even think that's what he was intending. Well, my interpretation of no, it. No, I think that that is a commentary in it. But I think. Well, he so he dated Rachel Vice. He was married to Rachel. Right. Vice. But so that's how I started to read it. Was like now I dated this, or I was married to this very famous woman, and I lost myself. I think the fame is a comment was a commentary in it about God. I think Harvey Javier Bardem. I don't know if I'm saying it right. 
Javier Bardem, yeah. I felt like his character was was both God and mankind. Okay. And I took that as God saying, I love you, but worship me. I love you, but worship me. I have to, I love you, but I have to uh, uh, turn my back on you. I love you, but I have to tend to all these other people. Right. You know, and you're sitting there going, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, you're supposed to be, you're supposed then to be my dad. W- when Jennifer Lawrence is like, you, at the very end, when he rips her heart out, Temple of Doom style, she goes, you don't love me, you love that I love you. Right. How does that factor into a view of religion or Mother Earth? Well, I think that's an interesting commentary. Well, again, I think it's, I think he's duly God and mankind. And what I took from that was, that's an interesting commentary on God to me. You know, Uh you just love that everybody worships you. You don't love us. Look at all the tragedy in the world. Look how terrible the world is. You don't do anything nice for us. You just love that we worship you. So that's the God side of it. So this was like what Al Pacino says in Devil's Advocate. He's an absentee landlord. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then the mankind side of that to me was 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 nature was like this bullshit about like how people say they love the planet and we say we love people and we say we love beauty and natural whatever and then we destroy it constantly uh-huh. and that, to me that's mother nature saying like you don't you just love that i give you whatever you need whenever you need it you don't really love me you don't really respect me if you did you wouldn't be building these fucking malls and bombing places and doing all these other things so that's how i took that there's also a really that natasha legero turned me on to uh, one of the interpretations of the Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer characters, which Uh was that they represented Adam and Eve. So they were the first two people let into the Garden of Eden. She takes the forbidden fruit. She takes the glass thing off the shelf. It breaks. Right. He shuts them out, literally out of the Garden of Eden. He boards it up. He's like, you'll never get in here ever again. Right. Their two sons show up. One slays the other one, Cain and Abel. Right. Yeah. And ab- then sure. Yeah. And then the descendants and ancestors of Adam and Eve start becoming greater and greater and greater and greater until finally you end up with a very sort of. You know, even the even the, the, the house, like even the the whole thing with the house, like he lost everything in the fire. Like to me, that was a commentary on na- again, nature. Right. Like we take these beautiful settings. He, he goes at the beginning, he goes, we she goes, I can't get a cell signal. And he goes, yeah, we like it that way. And it's like, so here's this guy that's like, yeah, we've like gone so far out of our way to live in this beautiful, secluded little piece of paradise. Yet I'm going to let these people come in because they like me and literally kill my baby. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. So. But here's the thing. You know, like. Get out is an amazing commentary on racism, but it's also a fucking funny and exciting and suspenseful horror movie uh you know like magic mike is a amazing movie about capitalism and how we use people to make money right and yet it's also extremely entertaining even to me a heterosexual man to the uh well that's how i feel about hostel i think hostel is a tremendous horror movie and also a fantastic commentary on how different people use each other and demean yes. one another in different ways i couldn't agree more yeah this to me felt like one of the most miserable viewing experiences i've ever had so that at the end i could go oh, okay i guess it was about religion or i guess it was about mother nature 
fine. And if, if people, if critics feel smart, uh, picking that out, great. I still can't imagine you enjoyed that two hours watching the movie because I sure as hell didn't. I look, it was a bumpy ride. It yeah. was certainly something that that there were moments where I was like, ah, do I want to stick this out? I don't know. Then there were moments where I was very invested. Then there were moments where I was like, I got to see how this ends because I think I might know where this is going. Right. And then leaving and driving home and and thinking about it, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, I really think that was a brilliant metaphor. That was a really great piece of work. But it's not it's not a goddamn popcorn movie. Look, I no. saw it. I saw it. It was my first movie pass movie that I saw, sure. by the way. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it's like I might have been a little more pissed or a little bit pissed. Had you spent sixteen fifty or whatever. Well, yeah, 17 bucks and then yeah. and then another 10 on candy and soda and whatever. I would have been like, I spent 30 bucks. Like, what the fuck? Right. It's it's so, you know, it's like, look, I got the goddamn Cassavetes and Werner Herzog box sets over there. It's like. Are those movies that I want to watch over and over and over again? Not really. Right. Are they movies that I really enjoy and respect the hell out of? Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, it's like, it's not a... I'm it's glad not, a challenging movie is getting made. That, well, that's the biggest takeaway to me, is that uh, it's not just that a challenging movie got made. Warner Brothers let Darren... And look, Darren Aronofsky's is a popular guy. He's yeah. not fucking Scorsese. No. He's not, you know, you know, he's in that sort of Alexander Payne camp where it's like it could all go away if he fucks up royally. And they still got yeah. behind him. By the way, I don't know if you've seen a preview for Alexander Payne's new movie. Yes. Downsizing. Yeah. It looks interesting. I think it looks terrible, but maybe it'll be great. <laughs> I mean, it looks it's terrible. Well, I hate he lost me with the last two. I hated the Descendants. Descendants sucks. And I did. And I Nebraska is. A B minus. I couldn't fucking get through Nebraska. Yeah. And I wanted to because I really love Will Forte and I really love Bruce Dern. Yeah, it's fine. I couldn't get through the goddamn movie. Yeah. I was so bored. I was like, what happened? Downsizing looked like it might have some of that bite that like election and about Schmidt had again with some very funny we'll parts. See, man. You know, but, but those were very real movies and downsizing looks like a fucking you know, parody of a Twilight Zone. Episode. I think I have a feeling there's more to meets the uh, that meets the eye with that All trailer. Right. You know what I All mean? Right. But we'll see. But my point is, is, you know, I was reading a thing about the guy uh, that I can't remember his name, the director, the guy director, the original Dracula, the Bela Lugosi one. Todd Browning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his follow up to that, because they were like, we love you. You're a genius. Which, what, what do you want to do? He's like, freaks. Right. Makes sure. freaks gets banned ends his literally ends his career yeah so love freaks i i like that we live in a time now where even if people don't understand the film a major studio is behind a guy like darren aronofsky and being like your, your career's not going to end over this so don't worry about it I like that too we got your back however nobody was behind noah which to me is a superior movie Noah didn't look good to me. It just looked like Gods of Egypt or one of those like kind of shitty no, like it, Moses. It, it movies. goes in a real kind of weird, interesting direction. But I, I think do like really, those rock monsters in it. They're yeah. very like Dark Crystal, Jim Henson. Yeah, the, the rock monsters coming kind of out of nowhere. But for me, two of the best movies of the last twenty years are are Black Swan and The Rustler, and those were also extremely profitable movies on a very low budget. Right. So they'll always hope that happens again, but 
Yeah, you you only get two or three mothers before you're out of the business entirely. Yeah, I'm not saying he's I'm sure got it was a huge bomb, and ever everyone walked out of the theater. I'm not. Saw I'm it. not saying he's got free reign to do whatever. That's what yeah. I said. Look, it's not like he's he's not Scorsese. He's not one of these right. guys where it's like, what do we need to do to get it done? Right. You know, but he's a respected guy, obviously, and he's he's had some Oscar nods and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like, I I really like the film. Now that all being said, do I ever want to watch it again? No, but not because I don't think it's good or entertaining in any way. I found it to be a horribly accurate commentary on humankind yeah and it made me terribly depressed yeah i i left it because the day that i did the thing where i was like i'm 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 not doing twitter anymore guys sorry like i can't take these people anymore they're 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 fascists on all sides i can't do it um that day was when i went i went from that right into mother yeah and then you're sitting there and you're like this is what people do people are terrible they would eat a baby you know so it was it was very fucking depressing. So I don't know emotionally. I could see that. It was kind of like a like a like watching a Radiohead album. I was just like, when am I gonna? Yeah. <laughs> when am I gonna be the right kind of sad for this? Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> need the reminder that everyone in the world is dog shit. I guess. But I'll also say this: I saw the trailer for American Horror Story, the new season, which is. So stupid looking and yeah. so on the nose. Looks terrible. It is a terrible fucking show. Right. It has never been good. Um, it was pretty good for most of the first season. I like the first season. It has sucked after that. The ending of the first season was a Beetle, literally a Beetlejuice ripoff. Right. Um, which is problematic for many reasons. It has never been good since then. Um, it tries way too hard to shock. It tries way too hard to be sexy. It tries way too hard to get in your bones. And it's and it fails on all fronts. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I hate the fucking show. And you watch the trailer for the new season, and it's like, it's literally just them being like, Trump got elected, and then one guy being like, the revolution begins. I can now lead the sheep. And then another lady having a nervous breakdown because she can't deal with it, whatever. And it's like... Guys, I don't need my commentaries to be that spot on. <laughs> yeah. I don't need, like, the trailer of the season to sh- literally have a news thing in it that goes, Donald Trump is the president. And it's like, right. get a little more creative. So, again, this is why I like Mother. I thought he did a good job of of creating a, 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 a strange scenario that gave a very interesting commentary. Sure. Because it could have been way more on the nose, and it would have been very stupid. The, uh, the, the other Adam and Eve thing is the rib. Right. When sure. he's over the toilet and his ribs exposed. It got the very rare uh, F rating from CinemaScore, the audience polling system. Like, very few movies in the history of time have got an F, and it received an F. Yeah, you can't. This is not for... No. This no. is not... You know what I mean? This is like when... This but I, like, but, I, when, but when, I like this shit, and it wasn't for me either. You know? If you took that sting ukulele album that he did yes whatever the fuck that thing was where he did all like the baroque music and you and you put it out and we were like it's the new police record sure people would be like this is the worst it's it's, it was not marketed properly i agree uh joe wrap this up for us i have to pee end the show and folks i'm signing off you can find me at the patrick walsh twitter and instagram i'm still on twitter i'm putting up with the people Uh, Have a good week. Folks, come follow me on Instagram.
like I said, I'll post to Twitter through Instagram, but Instagram's where the action's at. And quite frankly, I'm going to get my damn Instagram numbers up. So come follow me over there. Uh, what else is going on? Um, this comes out tomorrow, which means I will be... Well, you know what? Not, uh, not a lot happening right now for the next month or so. I'm just kind of in L.A. So go read the penthouse column if you do. I hope you like it. Um, if you like it, uh, great. That's great. I hope, I hope you do. Uh, it's called You Let Me Down every month in penthouse. And um, that's it. We'll see you again in hell. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>